0: Stand, face the sun
1: so you never see the shadows standing behind you. He nā reo, he nā mana and nei te mihi haki a katoa Ko Justin tine, mai ki tō ma o Tiahika. Kia ora katoa. Welcome to Radio New
0: Zealand's Māori Features Programme. Her new Scottish, Māori and Rotuman whakapapa would blend so well into the musical act that is Pacific Curls. Ora
1: Brown, Kim Halliday and Sarah Beatty tell us how that works. So how does a Scottish lass get involved with some, these two Polynesian waini?
2: Oh, well, you know, we met through this um, amazing website called cheapdates.com. <laughs> <laughs> naughty and we ain't looked back since. <laughs> Students at Mangatere Tere School in
0: Fakatsu are doing their bit to educate the community about what's important to them. And Mariah is reliving her schoolgirl crushes when she visits Teote College for the Porphyry for Minister of Māori Affairs, Peter Sharples.
3: Well, forget that... Uh, strong rural areas uh, for Māori were national, and it's the cities that have the loudest voice. And so you're hearing a lot of don't go with national, go with labour, but fortunately this election didn't uh, make us have that choice because national could govern without us, uh, whether we liked it or not. So there was no such choice to make, national or labour.
0: We get a taste of humour, 1980 style, with John Rangiho addressing a National Party conference.
4: The spaceman who visited, visited Rua Tahuna the other day, who became very frustrated because he saw a Māori person who was walking along the road and singing, Pōkare kare ana, and so he said, zap him and take away a quarter of his brain. They zapped him, and he still carried on singing. Take off another quarter of his brain, and they zapped him, and he still carried on singing. Take his whole brain away. sing Matilda, waltzing. That's
1: all coming up in this week's edition of Te Ahi Oh,
3: tālingo Ora te no,
4: te ta! te
5: no, po' che ho te te
3: Last
1: week, Tertiary College held a hakapohiri for Minister of Māori Affairs and Old Boy Dr. Peter Sharples,
0: which must have seemed a bit like deja vu for the college having. Educated Apiranangata, the first Māori graduate.
1: Maui Pōmare, the first Māori doctor. Terangi hiroa Peter Buck, James Carroll. Who all went on to form the Young Māori Party and enter Parliament. Generations later, another old boy takes up ministerial positions. I asked Dr Sharples how that felt.
3: Oh, I feel really elevated by the fact that I went to Teote. It was a turnaround in my life. You know, before I went there, I didn't... Uh, where we were brought up in a village where um, only, our parents only spoke Pākehā to us, and they only spoke Māori to themselves. And so that was a turnaround going to Te Aute and having to speak Māori, and I sort of uh, learned all the traditions of the school and that. So no, it's a real turning point in my life. Tāne so, you know, i re i te rāua So Māori. So I just had to learn all else. You know, I was made to feel whakamā that I didn't know. so. And um, so I identify with people who have not been taught Maori from birth, and their sense of whakamā. Yeah, and now so I'm happy to be doing anything to do with the college.
1: And something the Associate Minister of Education wants to address immediately are the 99-year Glasgow leases.
3: It's a crime. A tata has rich in land but poor in money, so the leases they these, it's like a colonisation tool. The 99-year Glasgow leases. Mm. So you've got these farmers with improved uh, holdings, rich as, and you've got territory, uh, the school that gave them the land, poor as, and almost on the verge of closing. So it's, um, it's, it's all back to front somehow.
1: Which was Tipine's experience as well.
3: Oh, very they differently. They did end Similar. Up yeah, They right. did end up closing. Oh, it was a mixture of issues for TPN. But t- you see, they shouldn't close these schools. What they should say is, why have these schools produced so many leaders? What is the what is the quality and the attributes of such a place? And build the um, support structures around that. Instead of looking at, oh, is there bullying going on? Oh, is the error report no good? Oh, there's no money for the new dining room and stuff like
1: that. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you look at the public education system in England, yeah. they actually make light of the bullying. You know, it's almost like a, a badge of honour that yeah. you were, that those things happen to you.
3: Well, that's right. I think, um, and I don't, but I don't condone bullying. But you are right that it's used um, in in place of other criteria that should be used to judge whether the school's successful or not.
1: I mean, there have been some um, educationalists that have written about how Māori boarding schools, especially male Māori boarding schools, have led to the gentrification of Māori. What's your response to that? Well,
3: all those things could be levelled at at the school. I mean, people say they're Christian, uh, sort of... um, breed a Christian sort of ethic and uh and tie people to the Anglican Church and and so on. But the reality is, um, there's much for them to give and and if you look at what their successful factors are, then that's gotta be the key. I know in the old days there was that thought that this is a sort of elite school, uh Teote. And that was partly because of the success of Sir Apirana, Maui, Pomare, Langihiroa, and people like that. And uh, in recent times, the Jury Brothers, Pili Shasha, and and a whole lot of other people. Um, But um, the reality is it's it's still a good school, just as St. Stephen's was a good school for producing uh, people who are prepared to take on challenges for their people. I went to a hui in Canada. There were no less than 30 Māori from... The Māori schools there, our old boys and old girls. Uh, Turikina, Queen Victoria, Te Aute, and uh, Hukarele and um, Wikitoria. Those were the, those were the schools tibine. And uh, that's a lot of Māori to have in one foreign hui. Mm. And, and, but it just shows you that you know they have produced uh, leaders over that time.
1: And so they also tend to be pretty high profile in, within the old Māori as well. Yes, you and I,
3: and that's why, once again, uh, we've got to look at our positive factors and promote them rather than look at negative factors.
1: So, but just going back to school, when you were there, I mean, did it feel like you were getting apirana, you were getting nata? And oh, yeah, like we got sick of it. We got, yeah, we yeah. got
3: indoctrinated by apirana. Every every <laughs> visitor to the school, and there was one a week, two a week, started telling us about our and stuff. We knew more about them than they did, you <laughs> see. But we'd go through this, go through this. It's like, it's like a lot of things. I mean, we learned, we sang all our canticles in the church, you know, the morning song, even song, um, Latin Latins, and uh, everything. We just, we were full of Anglican church, for example. But it doesn't, you know, when when you went away, you realised what it was, and it stands you in good stead to sort of consider where you are at this time. So, in the case of uh, the old boys' history, yes, it, was, it was really did have an, a lasting effect on us, knowing that we're following in the same, you know, playing on the same. I, I mentioned this on a poor video I had this week. This is the very ground that Ampidano walked mm-hmm. on, that uh, uh, Turikara from Kahunu walked on. Right here, this, this soil here, this grass, that's where he stood, that's mm-hmm. where they stood. And it's a sense of pride that we follow those people.
1: So you joked about making Maori compulsory in schools. So when's that happening? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, make, make a joke. Right? Well, it's something we've got to really seriously <laughs> consider. You know, seriously. Yeah, I think the other thing is literacy and numeracy. I mean. A lot of our people are unable to combat it at high school because they haven't been taught thoroughly for whatever reason in the early years. So I'd be really interested in making a difference in preschool and primary school in terms of literacy particularly.
1: A Ministry of Education programme that has been gaining some prominence within mainstream secondary schools is Kotahitanga. Kotahitanga focuses on teachers, their relationships with their students, and how the teaching environment can better meet the needs of Māori students. And what I put to the Minister had similarities with the cultural safety training Eddie Harpiti-Ramsden introduced to the nursing curriculum in the 1990s.
3: It is, except that in the case of the kotahitanga, it's a rude awakening for the practitioners, the, the teachers themselves, they are made to look at themselves very thoroughly before they take on any learning, and it's that factor that they look at themselves, see their shortcomings in terms of even their regard that they hold for their pupils and the uh, and the authority they have over them. Um, it's 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 it is a rude awakening, and and I think it's it's great. It's great, except perhaps it should have been done at the teacher training. Level instead of waiting till after they 've got out there and destroyed a few hopefuls no you know um, because what it does is challenge the ideals the teachers ideals, the concepts that they hold about Maori and so on, but it introduces to them uh, Maori knowledge and they find out why Maori children don 't like certain things and don 't like certain teachers. Uh, and it's all to do with Maori, how we feel about ourselves, our aspirations, our culture, and things. You know, like children are saying, "I like Sir because he doesn't sit on the table mm. like the others do," and I oh, like. Or he says my name properly. He says my name properly. All those kind of things, uh, which which uh, which might seem insignificant to some teachers, but it's massive to to Maori and so on. So yeah. And and so therefore, it shows them how they can actually work in in, and uh, adopt higher goals for Maori, and higher expectations by working with Maori in a Maori-friendly milieu instead of um, just the usual uh, three rows of this and take it or leave it kind of teaching.
1: So, in the three-year period that you've got, do you think what sort of
3: you think it's only three years, do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So at the
1: in moment- the period that I have. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, well, I, I want to start straight out in literacy programs and get some pilot programs done up in in uh, Decile One schools and measure the shift and the change, which I know will be dramatic. I want to make Hitaga uh, more available, more widespread uh, in the things. And, of course, Kopapa Māori education is vital. It, um, it's not only uh, a good way of teaching, but it's a flagship to save the language, you know. If we're, we're not past the danger point in terms of Māori language living forever, um, the numbers of speakers, the quality of speech, the depth of understanding and so on, I mean, most of us should be able to stand up and say uh, how a combustion engine works or talk about comets coming to New Zealand from outer space or those intricate topics in Māori and not just talk about the hui the other day Mm -hmm. and so on. And until we get to that level of uh, Māori naturally, um, then we're not safe, you know. So, you know, when this new... Dictionary that's been printed this public, authentic, yeah. yes. Mm. I mean, that's a good start. But that's, um, and the, the the work that Tora is doing in their senior classes for for speakers of Māori to introduce depth of language. Is, tanga,
1: that's uh, 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 uh,
3: uh, it's just awesome, that kind of stuff. But we're not out of the woods. So, Kopapa Māori education is a user friendly method because it's it revealed it was dreamed up in the reo hui that we had in 1981 82 in parliament here i was there and we came up with this idea Kohanga mitito and little did we know we were actually reinvesting in a user friendly teacher teacher method education system so out with the language came fano learning came tuakana, taina, came whakapapa, the use of papa, the use of uh, kawa to teach and things like this. So we really revived our old system, uh, much of the old system. Without even realizing without it. Without even realizing it. And secondly, that was sort of the similar way that people acted in their own homes. Mm-hmm. So it was totally user-friendly, mm-hmm. full of greetings, acknowledgement, prayers, and stuff, the stuff that was normal in the house. And so it was... Uh, it became the flagship, um, not just for language thing, but for for learning. So, you know, I was really disappointed as one of the pioneers uh, of those kura types that past governments have not supported the continuation of recruiting and training Māori-speaking teachers. And, and suddenly turned it around and said, we can't build more schools, there's no teachers. So, you know, what we challenged them for, showed them the need, they ignored, and then suddenly they used that situation to say no more kura. So there should be a thousand school now, not just uh, um, a few hundred. But, like, there is. And they should have strong boards, strong teaching, and so on, and they don't have. And uh, this is because it's a Maori idea, and, you know, in the past, governments... They take a Māori idea and they oppose it. They say it's not part of our mainstream system. When they can't oppose it anymore, they adopt it, and then they change it, dilute it, and then they turn it around to be their programme. And I've done that with Taha Māori and a whole lot of other stuff. So have
1: national governments done that?
3: Well, it was. I'll tell you straight, it was under national that Kura Kaupapa survived and grew because I was the chairman of the Runanga Kura Kaupapa, and uh, Lockwood Smith was probably one of the most unpopular education ministers of his time, of the times. But we loved him because he gave us five new schools every year, and that carried on for four or five years. And uh, that got Kopapa Kura Kopapa strongly established and gave hope to people that you can have a kura too. So yeah, you know, under under national, it's been been really good in that time. But in the recently, there's been no new. Very few new schools, very few new resources, very few uh, whakangungu kaioko training, um, and even for um, boards of governors, very little training. So, you know, uh, quite a proportion of Kuru Papa now have a uh, commissioner or someone from the government in there sort of sorting out the larararars and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad because it's a beautiful method, it's natural, and it's got dominated by the requirements of uh, the Ministry of Education and, and it's sort of made for difficulties.
1: Much was made about the Māori Party decision to go with the National Party post-election, yet according to Dr Sharples, the Māori relationship with the National Party goes right back to Apirana Nata and our shared farming days.
3: Well, people forget that uh, strong rural areas were, uh, for Māori were national And it's the cities that have the loudest voice. And so you're hearing a lot of don't go with National, go with Labour. But fortunately, this election didn't uh, make us have that choice because National could govern without us, whether we liked it or not. So there was no such choice to make, National or Labour. However... If
1: there had been a choice? If there had
3: been a choice, then it would have been directed to us to a certain extent by our people which way to go. And we'd have to weigh up the different advantages of where we would uh, sit. But we've just had... in Māori Party's only three years old. We've just had a Labour government. We were never invited into the tent at any stage of those three years for anything meaningful. Uh, we had uh, different hui, but it was always uh, at the end of the meeting, have you got any issues? So the, after we would have discussed discuss their bills and so on. Um, so it really was one-sided. Um, here we have national whom have said over the last two years we're hoping to have a relationship with the Māori Party, whether we can uh, govern alone or not alone. Uh, we realise that, and in, in, this is what Nashville said, we realise that you, if you want to be a good government, you've got to have friends, and we're happy to, to have a relationship. So we had meetings over the last two years, so suddenly bang, them and ACT are in, and everybody else is out, and then the invitation came from John Key and his government for the Māori Party to be involved and have two ministers. And um, that's what we took to the people. And it was just too good of an opportunity to turn down a chance to make some differences. And despite the criticism from the last uh, Labour government ministers, Māori, that we're outside Cabinet and therefore we don't have any say, uh, there's a different way of working with this government. And actually half the decisions are made in, in the Cabinet committees. Stages, not in Cabinet, necessarily in Cabinet. And we have access to all those committees, study, and myself. So, you know, we've already got more than we'd ever hoped to in terms of um, access. We deliberately stayed outside of Cabinet so we don't get overwhelmed by them on votes so that when we want to push e Māori take, it could be easily voted down and it would be the death of it. Whereas if we're outside the government on a lot of Maori issues we can tell it's the government and that's our arrangement agree to disagree um on certain issues but where our portfolios are concerned we would be in accord with the government working accord but they've been so receptive to our ideas uh and the Maori viewpoint. is that a surprise uh it's not a, yeah, it's a surprise because um nobody else has sort of taken any notice of of Maori people like us and our views and they have uh, taken a lot of uh, account of it. Like we had a debate about truancy and other things already, even though we're only a couple of weeks old. And um, I've been really uh, overwhelmed by their respect for our views. So um, I think it's has for some good times. Uh, nā e ki a koutou. Nā koutou a ah, kite no rotahi metakawanatanga na tanga i i etaion a a tura nga mai na ida makwe kia metakahamata a kapua wai a eta a kia tura ngatirai ata te nga wai i mu he huurahi wa amuhan mata kite te cope papa te kawa o tērā fare te pare ka kawero hia kawakiakinha eh en a o repa ka pai te na te cope papa te kawa o tira makweki ka te he ropupuku mahi mata ko hiko i nge te hiko i rotinga tika ga menga umanga mauri te mataura uh, I name itaka tehe, uh, Kaupapa Tikanga Hohonu, Angatipunu Matu, Narida, uh, Quenataku Kiatatau, uh, ki Hiropupukamahi uh, Mato, Atawa Kakite, Yamahi, and a pine on Mahi Mata. Narida Hudi no Kuto e Toto Kuan, Tinita Mihia Tikia Koto,
0: Keeping with Nati Kahungunu, the students at Mangatere Tele School in Fakatsu, thats between Hastings and Clive—are doing their bit to remind us of our social responsibilities. As Mariah found out when she met with one of their teachers.
6: Uh, my name is Terina Pomari and um, I'm living here in the, the Hawks Bay, working with. Um, the children of uh, Hawke's Bay and at Manga School and um, at Iron Gate School. Um, and Where are those kura located? Uh, Iron Gate School is in Flexmere, and uh, Mangatire School is right on Road, just going towards uh, Clive. And, and what do you do with them? Well, what we do is uh, we've done a production with Mangatire They've been practising all year um, and it was uh, around the up of pollution and the environment and also bodily pollution addressing issues bodily pollution. bodily pollution drugs and alcohol um, um, and they are actually asking for help and uh, they've called they've called their production protect us please and asking for the adults to help them grow up in a good environment you know, what they can do to help them and um, I'm really, really looking forward to um, to them performing. and Their performances on December the 17th and 18th of uh, just in a couple of weeks' time. Actually, Uh, they've been performing all they've been practicing all year for it at the Hawkes Bay Opera House, and um, they're just um, they're looking forward to getting on the stage, having practiced all year, and um, letting everybody know what they got, getting a message out there.
1: So describe some of the things that they're doing to get that message across.
6: Okay, so um, some of the things that they're doing, some of the scenes are um, they're dancing. They've learnt um, quite a few dances, both Maori, hip-hop and um, ballads and things like that. Um, they've learnt how to sing those things to get those messages across. Um, they're going back to harvesting and um, doing scenes that... Um, that help us save our little bit of money there and um, eating more vegetables, doing the health thing, um, learning how to plant. Um, that's all in the production. Um, there's a quite a variety of things uh, that are both for kaumatua and for the rangatahi. Uh, I think everybody will walk away with something um, that they've learnt and um, enjoyed. Yeah. So,
1: so seeing your production's one thing. I mean, are there practical solutions that you're giving each tamariki to be able to take home to their own houses or yeah, is the school so going
6: into it? They've, they've learnt about recycling um, they've learnt Does
1: Hastings
6: City Council have recycling? Um, they do have recycling but unfortunately we haven't got that support <laughs> um, However the kids are still going and um, they've been learning about recycling, where they should put um, their rubbish how they can help them that little bit of way that they can do it you Know they can do that themselves. Um, they've learnt about drugs and alcohol, how those things aren't going to push them forward, they're going to push them back. And if they want to look nice, because <laughs> they're quite forward, these kids say eh? they think they're the bomb and you know they think they look good. And if they, I pretty much tell them, if they want to stay the- <laughs> looking good, they better keep away from all of that. If Rubbish. they want to carry on looking fine, yeah they (laughs) want to look fine, they better be just, you know, keeping away from drugs and alcohol. (laughs) Um, So I've shown them pictures about what um, pee and all that kind of thing, um, the effects of those things, and um, hopefully it'll stay with them and remember what that, you know, looks like.
1: So just how prevalent is pee? I mean, flaxmeak, it's a pretty hard rap, eh? It is,
6: it is, and um, I'm actually pretty concerned about all of that. And um, hopefully I can... um, get some messages out there and through kapahaka, through haka, through um, productions like this one, maybe get some help with other people, with the community, to, to push that. You know, um, It's talked about a lot, but I can't see a lot of things doing things, you know, action out there, and um, hopefully we can change that.
1: Helping Terina is Hekoraoa Tomi Taurima, who in 2007 received an award acknowledging his songwriting abilities. You're a composer of uh, some note, and I understand that you're involved in the production happening on December the 18th.
5: Well, yes, I'm backing my mokopana. We both are, you know, yes. And I've written some songs for her, for that production.
1: Hmm. And what are the songs called, and what are their Oh, things?
5: well, it's, you know, in her in her story, she tells of how we used to be, in the villages, and um, so I wrote about Opotama at mahia, Opotama, you know, you know, and how we used to share everything, you know, so in my because in, in English and Maori. <laughs> Kote menui, kote aroha ki tangata. We shared our crops, we gathered in from the harvest. Kaimona from tangaroa to Ari tai, tai. Now, the whole thing's in English and in all in Maori, you know. I just swapped them few this. Yes, and, but how we used to be. And then, of course, it's a worrying thing. With drugs and drinking, our children are going down the sums.
1: What do you think that
5: is? Why? Drugs. No, but is it drugs
1: alone? Is it them moving away from the papakai? Oh, yes,
5: yes. So that umbrella of protection and love is gone. And, of course, uh, what was important to our parents and our grandparents is not quite important to those who live in the town... They do other things, you see. Yes, and so uh, you know, uh, I've I've written Takukawa, which is uh, uh, she's done a beautiful job of choreographing the implements. You know, poi, rako, tirako. You know, huh? Yes. And so, um, and then the, all the music and singing—that's where I'm helping her, you know. Because you and I are not going to be around all our lives. We've <laughs> uh, got to step aside one day. Eh? Yeah.
1: I got ages to go. Oh yeah. <laughs> I may not look it, but I have. Yeah.
5: Yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: At our website radionz.co.nz forward slash there are details around the eighteenth of December performance and photos from the Hakapóhiri
0: at Teote College. At this year's Pile Pile Pile, Māori turned out in force to support local artists including Brannigan Carr, Ruia Apirahama, Firimako Black,
1: Ariana Tikau, basically the Who's Who and Māori Entertainment. Pacific Curl's
0: music is a bit like coleslaw salad there's a bit of everything mixed in. Peruvian drums, ukulele, guitar, the fiddle, and not to mention sultry singing voices. And
1: in what started out as a five-woman group called Planet Woman has now become a three-piece group, Pacific Curls. Justine and I caught up with the group backstage at Pau Pau Pau, which is
7: the
0: Māori Music Week. Pacific Curls are up on
7: stage, and Pacific Curls are Ora Barlow from tukaha. Te Kaha, Te Kim Hannaday from Wukumara and of Scottish descent, and Sarah who who is from Aberdeenshire. Is that right? Aberdeenshire. Yeah, from Scotland. Scotland. This high energy trio play an eclectic mix of world roots music with Māori, Pacific, and Celtic influences. They aim to create music that embraces and celebrates all of their cultural backgrounds. They play an impressive array of instruments including taonga buwuru, ukulele, guitar, the stomp box, yeah. percussion and fiddle. Now this year they've grooved their way through a National Arts on Tour New Zealand run, two Australian tours and a highly successful Canadian tour. Now they will be returning to Canada in 2009 and for the 2010 Winter Olympic celebrations as part of a world music collaborative project. Tonight they will be playing live here and celebrating with us Palm Pal Palm Pal, two thousand and eight. Please welcome Pacific Girls!
8: Pacific Curls, and uh, we've just come back from a tour of Australia, and we did uh, Pow 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 tonight, and we had a great audience.
2: Uh... Kia ora. Hey, I'm Sarah from Pacific Curls, I play the, the fiddle with the girls, and we just had a great evening here at Pow Pow Pow, and it's been a great night. Now you guys,
1: you really are one of the most hardest working bands I've heard of in terms of you are always travelling overseas, and yeah. Australia seems to be a gig that you attend
8: yeah. to re- um well, Quite a lot, with are at least three times a year, but I tell you what, we went to Canada and we had a fantastic yeah. tour in Canada, and the First Nations people just opened up everything for us. Everyone was fantastic for us, you know, there. There's eight weeks and we did festivals, we're going back next year for another eight weeks and we've got really good major festivals booked. So I think Canada is going to be something we re- revisit for at least the next two years.
2: Yeah. yeah, and we'll, we'll be around New Zealand um, over the next six months. Um, maybe concentrating a bit more on working in New Zealand, rather than always going elsewhere. So it'll be nice to, we've got a tour of the, the whole of New Zealand, South Island and North Island, with Creative Arts on tour, Art and tour super um, nice, yeah. in February for the month. So look out for Pacific Curls then. We'll be playing around.
1: So how does Scottish lass get involved with some, these two Polynesian wayne?
2: Oh, well, you know, we met through this um, amazing website called cheapdates.com. <laughs> and we ain't looked back since. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, that sounds a bit crude and dirty. It was actually very... Um, very. it was great how we met up because I was in Australia travelling and playing and busking and um, having a great time a year out after studies, music studies and, um, and the girls needed a fiddler for a five piece we used to be involved in called Planet Woman and um, that was again a Celtic Maori Pacific fusion and um, so you know two of the girls that used to be involved in that have left but we're continuing that same idea of the fusion of music and um, and, yeah, touring away and playing away and keeping it
8: real. I tell you what, we're on the road so much, though. We need to stop and just sit down and do some writing, do some rehearsing. And, you know, I think we'll have a chance to do that next year. But um, it's, it's important, had hey, to stop as well. We've just been on the road so often. I mean, it's great to travel, but it's good to stop and, and reflect and see where we are. And, and I think we need to do that soon, just sort of stop. We've got November, December off, and then we start again February. Mm.
1: Now, Kim, you play the ukulele, the guitar, this round
8: thing that I wasn't sure what it was. Kalimba, the thumb piano. That was the last track. It was just a thumb piano. Yeah, Kalimba. Kalimba's originally from Zimbabwe um, in Africa, but this one we bought in Hamburg, and Sarah and I had gone into a music shop, and I just picked it up and started playing it, and we both went, oh, my God. So we had a little bit of a tussle over it, and um, in the end she let it go and I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so, yeah, and Aldo and I both play the cajons, which are Peruvian drums that you sit on, and they've got a hole in the back with some guitar strings on the inside to make a bit of a snare sound with some bells. Um, and what else do we do? And I've got a foot stomp, which is like a, a kick drum on the floor with my right, my right foot. And, um, and ukulele, yep. Yeah. Um, and Sarah, you um, use
2: the octave pedal. Well, you know, I just stick to the fiddle, really. <laughs> um, those girls play about 12 instruments. They don't really need me. I've <laughs> got so many instruments. I've got like an orchestra um, on stage. But yeah, I stick to the fiddle. But I'm able to use... Um, because I'm amplified, I'm able to use some great pedals like an octava pedal that, that creates a bass sound when I play, so it takes the violin down two octaves to sound like a double bass when I'm plucking it, and then also a delay pedal which echoes out the sound, as most of you might know. And so, yeah, the mixture of that, it's all good.
9: Kia ora ngā Kia ora ngā Kia ora.
0: Now you guys just performed, what, um, 20, 10, 20 minutes ago for Pacific Curls. Fabulous!
9: Like, how long have you been together? We've been together about uh, three to four years as a trio. Um, but we've come from a five piece to a four piece, and now we're a three piece. We got rid of the other two because I think they ate too much or something happened like that. But no, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So we've been going for about three to four years.
0: So you were all together since the
9: start. Yeah, it's different different configurations. We had a five piece called Planet Woman, which um, I think blended the the Celtic and Maori and Pacific sounds again. And then um, we kind of moved away from that and became more Pacific and Maori and now we've come back again to that blend but now the a trio. Yeah.
0: And I mean you blend it so well violin, uh, ukulele, guitar,
9: and drums? Was there like a... Um, what was the instrument called? It's a cajon flamenco. It's a Peruvian drum that you sit on and play in between your legs. Very exotic. Yeah, yeah, we need is the dancers. So we've been auditioning and looking for Pacific Girls dancers, but uh, if any of the listeners out there feel yeah. like coming on tour and have got a go-go cage, then... Wow!
0: <laughs> <laughs> How very exciting, and... um And can I just say that you all look very, very exotic. Like, you know, you've got the long hair, you've got a beautiful picture of you behind your music. Um, Is is that the, are you, what market are you sort of, is your music targeted towards, if there is Uh, any?
9: Well, we're, we're classified as that world music fusion market. So funnily enough, our market tends to be more overseas than here at home. And um, I, I don't know quite why that is, but that just is for the moment. And so we, we do a lot of touring overseas, Canada and the, Europe and Australia. And then we do maybe one national tour of Aotearoa, um, which we're doing in February in uh, 2009. So would you say
0: that overseas audiences are more open-minded towards your type of music? Like, why are
9: you so successful? Ki tawahi. Well, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I think I always go back to, because I was one of the, um, I was at school when Te Māori was touring around the States. And it was that same thing where these beautiful taonga were um, given accolades and acclaim overseas. And it wasn't until people received that overseas and it came back home that, that we valued it in a public, more public manner. And I think that we are very, we feel very honoured and very um, loved here in our own Finua. But um, there, there's, there's something about overseas that find that exotic thing because, because it is different because they don't know that Pacific nature. They haven't seen Māori and Kautika and Pacific blended like, like how we do it. So we're quite different. Whereas here at home, uh, and, you know, we've got a lot of intermarriage but between our people. We, we know something. There's something about that we already know. That look, And so it's just part of us as opposed to something that you kind of want to go to and and watch. And our our people too are very different in that we need to go to our people as opposed to our people come to us. And I think that's one of the magic things about Pau Pao Pao is that our people do come out and they support our live music, our Māori artists, our our beautiful musicians that are here in this country and and doing what we can do to get our our sound from Aotearoa out into the world. And it's fun. I mean, you've got the audience involved with the violin and, you know, there's kind of like clapping and it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people love it. People really respond to the fiddle. And um, because there is something about this country that has, we do have connections with Scotland and Ireland and England, colonially. So um, what we want to do is acknowledge our roots and everyone has roots. And when we acknowledge and be strong in all of our roots, then we don't take away from each other. We, we learn how to share with each other. And that's what we hope we do with our music.
1: Kia ora Pacific Girls. And for details about the girls' upcoming projects, go to our webpage, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash te ahika. slash te kupu time for new Māori words. Ma which I'm sure we all were at one stage of our lives, is shy. Whakamā. Raumati, we're in the throes
0: of raumati. Raumati is summer. Rako is tree, as in the biggest tree in New Zealand, Tāne Mahuta, up in the north, Rako tree.
1: Nahi nara is national, as we heard in John Dangiho's kōrero.
0: Kai Tito waiata is composer of songs or a writer of songs, many in pao pal pal. kai Tito waiata. Haka is held for Peter Sharples at Teote College, can occur anywhere, eh? Recently, the LA Galaxy soccer team and the yummy David Beckham received a haka porfiri at the airport when they came into the country. It's a welcoming haka porfiri. Or haka pōhiri kumatu te
1: wahanga o kupu new words to learn and a full list of the words and meanings can be accessed by logging on to our website aida whānau radionz.co.nz forward slash the ahika
0: and a reminder folks for your fix of reo Māori every day where a new kupu can be sent right to your email check out the website kupu.mori.nz kupu.maori.nz <laughs>
1: Earlier you heard Minister of Māori Affairs Dr Peter Sharples talking about the relationship between the National Party and Māori.
0: In Ngā Tonga Kōrero, the late Tūhoe educationalist John Rangiho addresses a National Party conference in 1986.
4: Madam President, Honourable Mr Bolger, distinguished guests DELEGATES, LADIES AND GENTLEMEN, I AM A MAORI. I DO NOT WANT TO BE ANYTHING ELSE. I HAVE COME TO BE STANDING HERE BEFORE YOU BY WAY OF A TRADITION WHICH HAS TRAVERSED traversed THE OCEANS OF THE PACIFIC and who have, by virtue of their coming from wherever they have come from, have built up a whole philosophic base which is more akin to the Oriental rather than to the Occidental. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think that I'm nervous, and shy and frightened, you've guessed right. <laughs> and if you know all the classical syndromes of tension, then I'm going through those, those stresses and strains of that particular thing. Secondly, I feel like the spaceman who visited, Ru- visited Ruatahuna the other day who became very frustrated because he saw a Maori person who was walking along the road and singing And so he said zap him and take away a quarter of his brain. <laughs> they zapped him and he still carried on singing. Take off another quarter of his brain and they zapped him and he still carried on singing Take his whole brain away while sing Matilda waltz <laughs> At least ladies and gentlemen in the area of jollity we are one people well, let me say to you that coming from that philosophic base which i am telling you i come from what it means is that my whole life is one of consensus and of communal living the dynamics of group living of group living are such that in fact the individual becomes responsible to the whole and the whole responsible for the individual ladies and gentlemen i challenge you i come with it, i come to you with a challenge and my challenge is this if this grand party has in the words of one of the vice presidential candidates who said without race, creed, or color, then, my God, we really need to put that together right now, because we are in crisis. When I say we, I say I, and the rest of my people are in crisis. Need I, need I make you suffer with all the statistics that point to that view? Need I recite for you all the things that are laid at my door? The violence, the over-institutionalization, the fact of not being able to succeed in a lot of places, the fact of poor medical histories. All those things have been part and parcel of me. Ladies and gentlemen, of the 35 years you and I and this party have established a policy for New Zealand and have established it over the last 29 years. Ladies and gentlemen, if we mean what we are saying, if we mean that we want to be able to go forward as a nation, if we mean that we really do have to be aware of and very cognizant of the need for us to be looked at and not anymore to be dependent upon that dependency which you have built in over the last 150 years. I am not looking for any recompense from you. I am not looking for you to feel guilty, but I am looking for a fair share of the resources and for a sharing of those resources in a valid way. Not for me to come with my rather frayed hat in hand, but rather to be dealt with as part and parcel of New Zealand. Rather also to be part and parcel of this party which I have been a member on and off, not paying fees (laughs) for the last 35 years, and at at times have been a little frustrated by the efforts that that have been put our way. But nonetheless, at this late stage of my life, 67, and still fighting, for a niche for me under the sun.
1: Here again is John Dungi Ho with his interpretation of the Whakatoki and what it means for him. Now, this was the mid 1980s, and Kohanadel was just
4: starting out. Stand, face the sun So you never see the shadows behind you I am facing the sun now I have built into me a pride of myself After having been dependent for so long I am about and have done the small thing of trying to address those issues which concerned you yesterday by the mere fact of pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. Kohangar is an initiative for a whole reeducative program for I and the rest of the Maori people. A programme which has been born out of a sense of wanting to be able to move forward. a program which if carried through to its natural conclusion will mean will mean one the monitoring of the children that have gone into Kohongateo through the schools and into the first 25 years of their existence can you imagine I can predict that given we can reach as many of those preschool children as is possible I can predict there will not be the wastage of schools it has been for all these years. Two, as you re-educate those preschoolers, you are also re-educating the mothers into some of those parenting skills which we have lost in an effort to exist, in which we have lost and yet mean as much today as they did to my ancestors. And that's what we are trying to do for ourselves because I find that it is necessary for us to be part and parcel of the society, but the society also needs to be able to allow me to become part and parcel of you.
1: Next week it's our final show of the year where we'll check out some of the summer hotspots around the motu.
5: In the Hokianga area, Kohu Kohu, Rāwene, Ōmāpere, you can't forget Tāne Mahuta, the great Rako himself, is worth a visit. If you are in Hokianga you must by all means make time, half an hour, get over to Ōmāpere and spend some time there without a doubt. You cannot forget the Bay of Islands, there's so much to do. If you're all about the sea, fishing, diving, swimming with the dolphins, getting out into nature, walking in the bush, the Bay of Islands is the place for you.
0: Ida, I reckon the north is a prime spot for summer happenings and we'll hear more in next week's show. Hemihiati te nei ki a kai huamahi ite nei wiki.
1: Hokimaya no e hōma komara rakaraku mai oako. Justin Meredith, hey theater wiki modi ora tato katoa.